What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Fabs's High Review. If you hear my pets in the background, by the way, I'm going to apologize in advance. The cat is a little bit disgruntled. It's how I describe it about being brought inside just now. It's a lovely summer's evening and she wanted to chase crickets, not come inside. So she might make herself known. Uh, and the dog, you might be able to hear her collar because she now has a little very cute tag on it. We realized that we didn't have our information on our dog's collar. And we came across a lost dog the other day and were able to locate the owner because the number was on the collar. So we went straight out and got a tag engraved and our telephone numbers. But then my mum told me that if you put the dog's name on the collar, which is what we did, then it's a lot easier to steal because it could be like, come here, Henry. And then the dog will be like, oh, wicked, you know my name. And then like wander off with the stealer and nobody would ever know. So our dog is now extremely stealable, according to my mother. And by the way, so I asked her, well, what do you put on your dog collars? And she said that she puts her name with an apostrophe S and then her telephone number. And I was like, wait, so you're like saying this animal is the possession of you. Like this is Deborah's dog or this is Margaret's dog. <laughs> That's what my mum has on the collar. So if you ever come across one of my mum's dogs, it'll have her name with an apostrophe S. It is her dog. And please call her on that number. Here's hoping. My mother doesn't lose her dog. So it's the summer right now. It's beautiful, gorgeous weather here in Denver. And uh, we were making some s'mores on the weekend. After we'd finished making s'mores, I took the wrapper where the graham crackers had been and I tossed it in the fire. My husband almost lost his entire bag of nuts over it. He was like, no, what are you doing? And I was like, what? And he was like, you don't burn plastic. And I was like, well, yeah, no, I get that you don't burn plastic, but this is just a little wrapper around the graham crackers. Like it's not really in the grand scheme of things gonna be bad. And he was like, well, what if everybody thought that way? And that's a good point. It is true. But my argument back was, I would rather burn that tiny little bit of plastic than let it sit on our earth for the next 10,000 years. If you've been to our home, we are extremely green. I actually said the other day to a friend that I don't know the last time that I walked out of a store with a plastic bag in my hands. Legit, I think it's been probably over eight months. I either carry all the items out in my arms or I uh, use a reusable bag. I even do it when I buy clothes. I just walk out the shop with my new t-shirt in my hands. We also compost, we use paper straws. We don't have cling film in the house. We use compostable trash bags. Uh, I don't even know, the list goes on. We like the environment. And I guess I hate plastic sitting on the earth so much that I would rather burn it. What tiny amount of plastic gets into our house, I'd rather burn it, but that was very unpopular. So I then said, well, what about space is really big. So why don't we just get all of the world's plastic and just send it up into space. Because doesn't it take like 400 million years to get to even Mars? Like, 
by the time that waste reaches Pluto and the Plutonians, well, we'll be so long gone. And we might just be one universe of like a galaxy of universes. So we're hardly going to run out of room up there. That is my suggestion to fix the plastic problem on our planet. On the same theme of space, I was reading something this week about these little... Well, honestly, the only way I can describe them, and if you're looking at your phone right now, Google it while I'm talking. They're called tardigrades. uh, T-A-R-D-I and then grade. Zuh. And um, they look like six-legged pigs... But instead of having a regular pig head, you it's it's an uncircumcised willy. That's what a tardigrade looks like. And apparently its nickname is Water Bear. Well, I think that was misnamed. Maybe that was the PC version so that it could be written about in pamphlets and books and things. But I would not have named this a Water Bear. I would have nicknamed it Six-Legged Willy Pig. Say it as you see it. Anyway, yeah, Google it. Jesus, they're weird looking. There was an Israeli spaceship that was transporting the first lunar library. So it had like a digital archive on board with like 30 million pages of information. And then it had some like human DNA samples. And then it had the little um, water bears on board too. And the course of the spaceship went wrong and it crashed into our moon. So they're wondering if these little bears will survive on the moon. Because apparently they have the ability to like lower their temperature and also slow down or shut down their metabolism. So they're able to like hibernate for 30 years and then you can bring them back to life. So they're wondering if this is just going to be like a big deep freeze and if these little Little water bears are now living on the moon. By the way, um, these are microscopic little particles that are living animals, but they're microscopic. I don't want you thinking that a water bear is is like a sister to a Kodiak or a grizzly bear, because it's a very different type of bear. That article then linked me to another article talking about the moon of Jupiter, which just sounds like the craziest place on earth. And one thing that was written on this page flagged my attention. It basically said that the moon of Jupiter is like the most highly volatile, poisonous, radioactive, toxic place that they've ever explored. And that no way is human life or any form of life living on there. It basically sounds like a Hawaiian volcano or like Vesuvius times like one bajillion. But the thing that flagged my attention was that they said that there was no way that any life could be there. And I was like, well, I've watched Jurassic Park and they say life can find a way. So maybe there isn't anything on Earth that we know about yet that is able to sustain or live and thrive in that kind of environment. But maybe there is something which has managed to start growing on this moon, which is called Low. Super cool name for a moon, by the way. Do you think its full name is Lauren? 
I'd like to believe that there is something living, even if it's something really fucking crazy. I mean, like, we've all seen those documentaries with the deep sea underwater creatures that look like fucking crazy ass shit with like antennae and lots of teeth on their like tail and like there's some weird ass stuff going on with those creatures but we only just discovered them and we're like there's no way anything can live that deep with that kind of pressure and that lack of oxygen but look stuff does so this guy was definitely jumping the gun when he said that nothing could live on jupiter's moon i think there is that brings up a question if you could go to the moon, if you were given the opportunity to go, would you go? Or would you, if you could go into space, it doesn't have to be the moon. You could also just orbit Earth and then come back. Would you go? I think I would. As long as I knew that I could come back and that I wouldn't like age 5,000 years in like four minutes, the moment I leave the atmosphere, I'd do it. You know those comments when people say one year on Mars is like 25 million on Earth. Yeah, I just don't want to age that fast. But if I could go up and come back down and you know what? Maybe even reverse the process. Make me look five years younger. Then I would definitely go. Yes, please. Actually, I would go. And I think most of my friends would go too. We just have a big rockin' party and come back looking so much more youthful. I appreciate this comes across a little shallow, but this is what I think about when I think about visiting our galaxy. Please don't judge me. My last space fact was a comment on meteorites, and it said that in every minute in space, 10,000 planets are hit by meteorites. What kind of meteorite, though? Like... The Independence Day movie meteorite? Because that's a really big deal. Or is it the little shards of meteor that we used to get in our like backyard growing up? Did anyone else have those? You know, when you just be like, oh, dad, what's this rock? And he'd be like, oh, it's a meteorite. And you're like, what the fuck? I thought you were going to say it was like, oh, washed up from shore. It came from space? And they were so heavy too. So yeah, that's a lot of meteorite hits on a daily basis. Wait, wait, not even on a daily basis, on a minute by minute basis. 10,000. Let's hope it's not our one. Although apparently recently we dodged one. You can always count on me to talk about a random subject. Not very intellectually. I'm pretty sure I've mispronounced the tardigrades. And I've got lots of information wrong on all of the things I've said. But it's fun talking about it. And life is short. So let's just enjoy it. All right. Peace out. Until the next time. Thanks for listening. Like what you hear? Check back in each week to hear another episode of Fabs' High Review Podcast.